Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. But I think this brings into view a question that I, we've got here to kind of look at, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think this is a good place to ask it. We've talked about how do you develop it in some respects, and we've talked about what is a biblical worldview, but what are maybe some – because here at Crosstalk, we're always about the Word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We're always about what does the text say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it well enough that we would not move away from that. Mm-hmm. So what does the Word mm-hmm. have to say about a biblical yeah, is there a particular worldview? Or particular yeah. text – or text that comes to mind with regard to this. Yeah. You know, if you'd asked me that probably a week ago, yeah, a week, a week ago, my, the go-to ones, right, probably Romans 12, 1 through 2, right? right. Not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? So constantly be transformed, being transformed in the image of Christ through the Word, have my mind renewed. Uh, and last week, I'm, I'm going through First Timothy with a, a guy that I disciple. And the end of First Timothy, I, and I don't know the names of the two men that end up rebelling. You may know who they are off the top of your head. I can't think of them. But Aminus and Phagellus. Yes, yeah. and, and so and Paul tells Timothy, and some have have not held on held the faith and not had a good conscience right. or, or something along those lines, and, and have made shipwreck of their faith, and made shipwreck of yep. their faith. And he and I just, I mean, you know, we're we're going word by word some weeks anyway so it was no no big deal for us just to kind of sit there but we we just talked about that idea that if our conscience is not in totally ingrained with the word of the living god then we're going to make a shipwreck of our faith if i'm not in the word if i'm not holding fast and i'm going to hold fast to the faith because i'm in the word right if i'm not there then everything is going to be blown up. Are you saying that the text that helps us develop worldview is Scripture itself? Yes, as a whole. Yeah. We know Scripture. Yeah. And and that's a, and if you think about this, if I told you, um, if I said, hey, I, I really want to uh, lose 10 pounds, and I, I go to the gym for a whole year and I lose 10 pounds, uh, and they, I said, well, well, I did it. That's it, and I, and I never go to the gym again. I never work out. Um, I've accomplished this goal. You, you'd be like, "That's a, that's not very healthy." You, you said you were doing this for health. Uh, I think that oftentimes we can do that as Christians. Uh, we say, "Well, I've read the Bible once. <laughs> right, I was good right. enough." Right? right? It's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, right. it's a if a marathon runner, on yeah, if a marathon right, runner yeah. is not constantly running, he loses it. They're no longer a marathon runner. <laughs> yeah, if you don't constantly it. work out, you atrophy. Yeah, and so. That, applying that to the Christian development of the worldview, to applying that to the Christian life in general, if I'm not in the Word, I'm going to lose it. I, you know, and we all probably sit in here, we you know do scripture memorization. Charles, you were, you quote scripture beautifully. And I'm like, man, I wish I had the years of. I, I hope that someday I sit and I'm your age and I have scripture memorized the way you do. But you know, if you you take a break for two weeks for me, it's two weeks. I'm two weeks out from doing any of my memorization. I'm like, what was that one verse? And I have no idea what it is. But it's a task. <laughs> it's too. a discipline. <laughs> we're we're constantly working. We have to be. And when we don't. You know, you, you, I didn't see this with young people, right? Christian, oh, man, I, I, I failed again. Like, I, I'm, I'm really sinning this way right now. It's like, 
Well, let's talk about how's your how's your Bible reading? How's right. your time in the Word? How's I've noticed you've not been at church the past two weeks either. And he's like, Yeah, you think those have anything to do with it? Probably. It's not helping. It's definitely not helping. It's assisting you. Yeah. yeah. And, well, so, and so it's a constant fight, right? You know, the idea in Romans six, we're waging war. So. Which brings up the whole issue of the church, and I don't, we didn't really develop a question for that, but certainly the Christian community, the body of mm-hmm. Christ, and how important that is as a means of grace for us mm-hmm. to maintain that biblical Christian worldview. Yeah. It's a necessary. No, oh, he so- did it. Sorry there. Sorry there. That was, a, that, <laughs> that was our timer to feed. I'm sorry. <laughs> the timer to feed. That's right. He, those who don't know, Christian didn't say this, but he has a, a fairly new daughter, about yeah. the same age as mine, so uh, he keeps her on these days, so we'll we got forgive. somebody else we'll forgive. that's yeah. keeping her while he can do this podcast with us. No, I think the biblical idea of being in the Word is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can find our proof text. You know what I'm saying? It's easy yeah. to find that. But that overall general sense of getting the Word, which goes back to the biblical theology. What do you think about God? My systematic theology. Okay, what about the different aspects of God do I believe? that The mm-hmm. Trinity, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ himself. When you start breaking it down and thinking through and meditating on those things, mm-hmm. you will not be able to not have a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then you're very methodical and just systematic in a bad way and and you're compromising probably somewhere yes Um, i think i think that's one of the big things this idea of compromise you you see it with whoever it may be and compromise you compromise doesn't come out because i got to read your mind or i saw in a book that you wrote compromise comes out in your lifestyle Um, and so if you're compromising something's telling me You've missed the mark somewhere, um, and you. Congrats! You know a lot of systematic theology. You know a lot of biblical theology, um, but but does your life actually represent what you know? So. With some of the, the remaining time here, I think this next question here, and I'm going to go ahead and ask this mm-hmm. one because I think it it kind of dovetails into it really nicely. Um, you, we've got here. How can a Christian worldview help us communicate the gospel? So we talk about the Word of God, and obviously mm-hmm. the gospel is the central theme, the person of Jesus Christ and His coming. But how do we communicate the gospel to a secular worldview and culture? How does worldview and a proper worldview help us do that mm-hmm. more specifically? Yeah. You know, I, I almost d- debate. Do I start with that? It gives us an understanding of God that there is a God first, right. or do you start with the understanding that people are sinful? And so, I, I think when you first come out from the example of, well, as, as Christians with a biblical worldview, we know there is a God. Um, we have we have one who is for us and not against us, and that that right there should be enough for us to begin any type of engagement. Um, and then the the second thing with the recognition of sin um, that. We really, really understand that no matter how beautiful or elegant I may articulate something, it's not going to change anybody's mind. Right. I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you believe two plus two is six, I, there's probably nothing I can really do to change your mind that two plus two is not six. Uh, and so, just the same way, if you if you really believe that abortion is your human right, I'm probably not going to change your mind. Um, but because I have a biblical worldview, it gives me now the confidence to engage in that conversation because I know 
that is the spirit of the of God who does change those things. Right. He is the one who is going before me. He is the softener of hearts. Uh, he gives people ears to hear. And so it opens a door for from the Christian perspective for us just to have an utter confidence and not an arrogance, a confidence that we can go in and seek to be faithful. Uh, you know, you notice in, in Romans 10, Paul doesn't say, um, who will go so to those that are ready to hear? He says, who will go? Who's going to bring the new, good news of good tidings, right? It's, it's this idea that you, you may go and it may fall on deaf ears. And and then you know I, there's a there's an Iranian missionary and he goes to Iran he's like one of the first people to do this and like has sees no converts his entire time there like one of his last journal entries he's in his seventies is along the lines of I've recognized that the Lord has called me to be a rock mover I wasn't here to plant any seeds just to move rock out of mm. the garden <laughs> and you only get that from a biblical worldview. Right. That says and recognizes that there is a God who is sovereign, who is holy, and who is using a means to bring people to it. And that may not include me, but it could include you 20 years from now. It could include you 20 years from now. It can include your son 40 right. years from now, right? And so it's this beautiful picture for us as Christians that the biblical worldview gives us a sheer confidence to have engagement with people and one that would lets us walk away and say, it's okay that I didn't win that conversation. Right, exactly. It's okay that I didn't win. It's not okay that that person goes to hell by mm-hmm. rejecting the gospel. We don't mean that. We don't mm-hmm. mean – but what we mean is we trust the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. And the will of yeah. God enough to say, okay, I need to yeah. move on and mm-hmm. engage with someone else. Yeah, and there's a real beauty in the biblical worldview, and I think that as Christians we can fall into the trap of apathy in regards to evangelism in general. Um, so we constantly, the biblical worldview should be calling us out of that. But the biblical worldview gives us a confidence and should give us a sense of urgency that we don't want those around us uh, to go into hell without having any awareness that that's where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, at least they, they knew. At least they knew, right? right. And, and that's uh, that's you know the the big Spurgeon quote. I wish I knew all of it off my head, but it starts with, "If sinners be damned, let them be damned with the pleading of our tongues. Let them be damned with the pleading of us on our knees before the Lord, uh, with outstretched hands, that they could never say they did not know." And so, I, you know, the, that only comes from a biblical worldview that really breaks over the reality that there will be a day where God will judge man. I also think, as far as this whole idea of Christian worldview and the gospel, when I see the world and all the chaos and hurt, pain, and mm-hmm. suffering, I go, man, we need Christ. Mm-hmm. They need Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who shoots somebody in this mass shooting, I mean, what turmoil they are in, what spiritual mm-hmm. depravity they have stoop to, you know, mm-hmm. th- that they need Christ. That's yeah. what they need. So when I see that, yes, Judeo, Christian worldview, we start discussing guns or no guns, and we start moving into that. But no, from a Christian worldview, from a biblical mm-hmm. worldview, this guy, this woman needs Christ. Yeah. They are broken. Yeah. The the Christian worldview, or the Judeo-Christian worldview probably responds to mass shooting along the lines of... Oh, we'll send our thoughts and prayers. Good thing, right? Um, and it's usually a response to we need to take their guns away. Well, we have rights as Christians in this country, of rights as Americans in this country, of the Second Amendment. Good thing. Um, you're not taking our guns. Whereas I really think the biblical worldview is 
one that should lead us to doing exactly what David does in Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord, mm. how long will you have forgotten us? Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, David ends that right and he reminds himself, you've not forgotten me. My soul is encouraged. Right. Your steadfast love endures forever. And so we do that, right? But it, we talked about this beforehand. We're, the biblical worldview should let us grieve. It should let us lament and be before the Lord and just weep. Um, and really seek an earnestness for the return of Christ, right? That's the biblical worldview understands where all of this ends with hope and joy, with anticipation, um, but with growing pains, yeah, we, right? We groan with the creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so one of the things we also talk about here on Crosstalk, and I'm just watching our time here because it, it ticks down and there's so many things that come to my mind. I'm like, we won't get them all in, but uh, it's just part of, of life and, and good discussion. Uh, we, we talk on Crosscalk this idea of, of generational transfer. Mm-hmm. It's something we mention when we come on. It's part of our introduction. And transferring the faith that we hold and all that we hold dear to the mm-hmm. next generation. How do we effectively mm-hmm. transfer a Christian worldview, a godly mm-hmm. world? Obviously, we know the gospel must save, and so that is mm-hmm. first and foremost. Yeah. But how do we transfer within the church, within our families, mm-hmm. A Christian worldview yeah. to our children. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do we do to do that? Yeah. You know, I think that's a, it's maybe one of the most important questions asked here, right? Because it's the one that applies to everyone in this room. Right. I, I'm looking at a good transfer of Christian right. worldview right before me with you two. And it's one I, I've thought a lot about. And, you know, those things change whenever you have a child. You're like, I should probably think about how I'm going to get all of this into that. And so, uh, you, you know, you're thinking about those things. And I think about it from twofold. So first, the church, right? And we talked about the church as a means for grace for God's people. Um, raising children up in a context that where they see the church being the church, right? Not just, oh, the church is there on Sunday mornings, but that um, – when uh, mom and dad, they mom and dad, you know, this is one of the great beauties probably, and you probably grew up in similar scenarios. Um, mom and dad are meeting with a student right now, and I'm here, and I'm just a fly on the wall. And you know, obviously, if that's if there's this confidential conversation, right? You're having some of those barriers, but but being able to see what it looks like to live for the fullness of the gospel and, and showing that first and foremost. But then just the, the second thing, I, I think our children need to see us actually act out and live out our biblical worldview, um, which means that we have to be a little bit more uncomfortable probably as Christians, uh, that we have to be uh, a little bit more willing to call out some of our own um, comfortable sins or respectable mm-hmm. sins, right? And, and really applying that. But then also having conversations. I think that, and you know, Hayden is four months old, right? So I'm not having any deep philosophical or theological conversations with her. But are, are we training and giving children the ability to actually think about things or are we just telling them what to think? I think culture tells children what to think. That's no, what a secular culture That's does. what they want to do. Right? And so... Yeah. It's um, a dogma that is you will think this way and there's no other way to think. Exactly. And so how do we get children to actually think and say, and, you know, cultivating an environment that questions are good. Questions usually, I think as as Christians, I think in a 
you know, an evangelical Christian setting, particularly reformed evangelical Christian setting, uh, we get upset about questions. But I'm I'm very pro questions. I think children asking questions is a good thing. Um, you know, if a child asks, uh, why would God allow evil to happen, right? Or you know, I, I saw a train, I saw a car wreck. Why would God let that happen? Right. Why did my, my puppy died? Why did God let that happen? So, Wow, we're getting ready to apply our biblical worldview. And a child right at the at, beginning, right there. <laughs> yeah, a child at three or four can can grasp that mm. uh, that reality. There's a there's a book, and uh, it's, it's called "The Moon Is Always Round." Children can get concepts. They mm-hmm. may not get the broad broader details. They may have struggled with with put the, putting all the pieces together. But the concept, mm-hmm. if you if you plant that there yeah. by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God. They can get the concept, mm-hmm. and and that's what the the book the moon is always round, right? Um, it's a it's a book about hardship and life. And there there's a miscarriage, and so it's a, a book that's devoted to trying to explain some of that to a child. Um, but the book ends: the moon is always round, and God is always good, <laughs> and that and that is a grasp for a child that they can grasp. You're right. The moon there's, is there always are constants. Round. Yeah. yeah, God is always good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I've entered into that stage of at nighttime when I put my son to bed, he starts asking me, and my son is just a thinker. He he asks these questions, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> and he's starting to ask these questions about God. Who He asks me, he goes, how powerful is God? Mm. And, of course, in his kid mind, he puts a um, a number to it. Is he 10,000? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it comes up with this number. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, actually, he's much more powerful than that. Um, he's eternally powerful, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of walking in. Well, what does that mean? It means, you know how you get up in the morning, you start your day? There's never been a beginning with God. There's never mm-hmm. been an end. Yeah. You know, and, and having yeah. those conversations, I think, yeah. are important. Yeah. And then something, in sending some of your lectures uh, of a class we do here at Westwood, you brought up catechism. Mm-hmm. And catechizing, mm-hmm. I, I want to dig into just a little bit of yeah. that because I think that is important in developing both a biblical yeah. theology, a systematic theology, and ultimately a worldview. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some of that comes from my own love for the early church. Right, the early church was known for catechizing; they did it well. Um, I think that one of the sadder things that happened with the American Baptist movement was the loss of the catechism. Um, and it was a desire, and I understand it came from good desire, good place, um, but catechizing our children has, lack of catechizing our children has led to ignorant adults um, mm. who don't have a biblical worldview. I really believe that. Um, and, not, and I'm painting, painting a broad, broad stroke yeah. there across evangelicalism as a whole. Um, look at studies. Why do they deny the, the idea of the Trinity and well, the, resurrection. Yeah, the resurrection. The right. resurrection. It's because they probably don't have any biblical category for it, and they have no biblical worldview for it. And catechizing, whether that's you know the New City Catechism, which has a kids-friendly version. That's what we're using in our uh, home. Yeah. You know, you may want to do the the Westminster Larger Catechism with your child, and that there is are a Baptist catechism. As, as, as a Baptist, I'll just yeah. bring that yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I I have the one of the the big Baptist catechisms, yeah. and it's you know these are these are great resources, right? And we, there's great resources just for theology, for yeah. theology, yeah. for life. And, and I'll I'll say this in regards to the catechisms because they lead to this. Um, catechisms, theological thought should always lead us to being all in all of God. 
And, and maybe this may be one of the most simplest and practical things that we can do in transferring a biblical worldview to a child is that our children need to see us in the awe of God. They need to see us worshiping and in his presence. They need to see, you know, you read Charles Wesley and John Wesley, anything about their mother, you know, I, I, know, I don't even know her name. I know that they saw her pray, though, that when she went to her knees, that she was in prayer. Um, that, you know, you hear stories about John Piper's children, and they say the same thing. You know, we, we knew when you couldn't see dad, but the office door was closed, you knew that he was on his knees behind that desk before the Lord. Um, and so that happens, you know, in the sanctuary here on Sunday mornings. Uh, I love that our children stay during the worship songs. Yes. It is a good thing that they see us worshiping. In particular, in a culture that's very effeminate, it's a good thing that children see men worshiping. Uh, and they need to see that. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot. I just, with that list no, last no, sentence no, no, there, I just threw a whole lot in yeah, there. No, no, so. no. And I knew when I asked the question what it would do. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I knew where you are. It was a, it was a, uh, a cross-examining question. <laughs> I knew yeah. the answer. Uh, but I think it's good for our listeners because, you know, whether you are 25 or 50, mm-hmm. you may have grandchildren, you may be thinking about marriage. There's a whole <laughs> spectrum there. Uh, if you, you need to think about it. Yeah. And you need to think about a worldview. Um, one of the things, the questions we have on our list here, and, and, and a lot of it we've already addressed, is our thought habits and our patterns. And I go back to this one because we've been talking in particular about thinking. Mm-hmm. Like thinking has been the drive over the last few months in our podcast. But our thought habits and patterns affecting our worldview. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to think rightly, what mm-hmm. do, what do, what do we got to do? When we've mentioned being the word, mm-hmm. but what are some just practical? Mm-hmm. This is what you can do to really hone in. Yeah. You know, I it's I don't want to jump right into the spiritual discipline. So we'll we'll assume that your prerequisite is that you are praying and you are reading your Bible, right. you're studying your Bible, you're doing scripture memory. Um, very practically. You can read good books. That means that means read the read we're the fathers. We're always recommending here on Crosstalk yeah. Books. So right? like read, you know, one of my uh, favorite books from the the earliest of the churches, the Confessions of Saint Augustine. I, I think that that is a you will see someone's worldview change in hmm. in Augustine in Confessions, right? So Confessions Augustine out it's his prayer outlining his life, and he confesses throughout this that he has this mistress with him. Uh, in some weird sense, he never actually names the mistress, but you know that at some point his worldview, shaped by the scriptures, led to him to being celibate, to leaving the mistress. Interesting. And so you see how even how his own worldview is shaped by the scriptures, and a biblical sexual ethic comes out from a worldview that's built upon the scriptures. And so, uh, reading good books, whether that's Confessions or uh, you know you think of many of the Puritans, The Death of Death, I think is a pretty good worldview shaping book. Um, in a more modern sense, I, you know, the I'm I'm there in COVID. You know, I'm gonna say some of the blessings of COVID. Two the, two big blessings of COVID that happened for me was that I discovered Francis Schaeffer, um, and I discovered Bertrand <laughs> yeah. Russell. And Russell, not a Christian, has been fundamental in my Christian worldview because I've seen the fullness of where a non-Christian worldview leads you. The same mm-hmm. with Nietzsche, right? Nietzsche right. goes crazy. Nietzsche was a Nietzsche's craziness, his absurdity at the end was a result of his logical thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, 
they had a worldview that led him to a place of madness. And, and Schaefer, you know, this beautiful articulation and the Christian manifest, a Christian manifesto. Um, and then uh, you have have books like The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. Uh, you know, so all these books would be books I would recommend to someone to read because they help us engage in some practicalities in regards to worldview building. Um, you know, Truman in that book is focusing on how how have we come to a place as a society where it's a normal question for someone to say or a normal statement for them to say, I'm a boy trapped in a girl's body. And he works through how we've gotten there and shows where a secular worldview is led um, and then how a biblical Christian should think about that. And then the last thing I'll say on just worldview building, because we've talked about it somewhat already, the things we read, watch, and listen really do have implications. It's funny because we're coming back to that again. And we have to because – so find good podcasts. Find uh, find good music that's not just mumbo-jumbo gibberish that is – entirely fueled by sexual pleasing or hedonistic living and and that's that's the age we live in and so i'm not saying we gotta be monks and be live this ascetic lifestyle but as christians we are called to have a worldview that really does leave us probably leaving some things that the world finds enjoyable behind well and i think what happens is and i've seen this in my own life is that you you start realizing you don't do some things that you used to do Mm mm-hmm and you're like, oh, I don't do that anymore. I don't know why I don't do it anymore. I just, I don't have time. Yeah. You know, you just, it's like there's this natural shedding mm-hmm. of things that are just not valuable anymore for yeah. where I'm going and what I want God for me and for my family, you know, and what we're doing, but in particular myself yeah. and my growth. And so I think what you're talking about, if you do these things, if these become yeah. habits and then disciplines, it, those things start going by nature. Yeah. Yeah. The The idea of... Uh, well, you go back to the other you know, workout, healthy living type right. thing, right? Um, if I'm eating lots of healthy foods, the consequence of that usually is I'm going to work out. And if I'm working out, I'm going to eat, want to eat more healthy foods. Uh, there's a real absurdity of the person who's working out really hard and then eating McDonald's every day. So it's, well, there's people that are doing it. There are people that are doing That's it. That's actually very popular in our culture right it, now. And it is. And so, and we could look at them and say, "There's a, you're missing something. Right. You, the radars are <laughs> not clicking for right. you. And so for the Christian, we should it, that that's a radar going off. That's a red red flag for us to say something is not right. That you are going to church on Sunday, reading your Bible every day, praying to God, yet you're having sex with your girlfriend every night. Right. That, that's a red flag for me. There's a I'm, something's there's something's a disconnect there. And so yes. we as Christians should always be thinking about where are my red flags? Where's my disconnect at? Um, but really recognizing that we must not only be killing the unholy appetite. You know, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. But we have to be cultivating a holy appetite. There's going to be a hole. What will you fill it with? The thing about Christian living is often sometimes will people, will Christians will get rid of something and not replace it with something biblical. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not just about getting rid of things. I know I've done that. And, yeah. and it was I needed to as a young person. But there had to be the replacement with what is good and wholesome, what Paul talks about in, in Philippians 4, those things that are lovely and virtuous and of good report and think on these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a very good conversation. I didn't think we would have any trouble going. We've been going for a while now. And, and uh, 
you, Christian, I really appreciate you being willing to join us here and discuss this, partly because Dad and I had the discussion we wanted you on because you've done a lot of thinking. I use that word intentionally, thinking <laughs> on these things. So thanks for joining us and yeah. being with us. It's been great to have you with yes, us. Yes, privilege. Thank, the Lord. Yeah. thank you guys for letting me come on and the work that you do, mm-hmm. uh, both with this ministry but also in the local church. Mm-hmm. You are uh, valued greatly here. So. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Mm -hmm.